We have, to, we have to set what we're going to do. We're not just preaching. We're not just doing a sermon here. If we don't advance the kingdom every time we meet, then we have failed. Uh, speakers call me and say, you know, I want to come to your church. And I've let them come, you know, over the years. We hadn't had any in a while. But I analyze them. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody, anybody, anything to get in this pulpit and to preach. And, you know, it's always good. It's always, you know, the gospel and this, that, and the other. But here's the key. If you cannot come to this place and leave a deposit, we don't need you. You've got to leave a deposit. You've got to leave something that's in the atmosphere, that lingers, that's a residue, that stays with us, that, that hooks things together in our life, that uh, we're kind of out there by themselves. Now they're together and they make a difference that you provoke us to love and good works, that you, that you inspire us to... Uh, you you got to leave a deposit. And I, I'm under the same bar, and anybody else that stands in this pulpit, don't get up here and give a little talk. You better leave a deposit. You better bring something tangible. That means you got to get in your closet. That means you got to find it. you got to find a deposit. You, usually, you got to. it's like a treasure. you got to go dig it out and... Um, uh, I probably in 37 years of ministering, I've probably what I would call punted about four times. And punted means that you just really got overextended, something came up the last minute, you just really didn't go get the treasure, and you really... And three of those times, the Lord has just... I've repented before I got here and said, God, I did not do right, I didn't manage my time. I, I, I was off doing what I shouldn't have been doing in light of who I am and what I'm called to do. And I repented three of those four times. He just came on me, and Debbie said, that was good. And I was like, that's a miracle. <laughs> it wasn't me. And then one time, you know, it was just flatter than a flitter. It was like, really? Really? That's, that's what we have to live off this week? I knew it. I don't know if anybody else knew it, but... I have a great uh, respect for what we do here, and uh, this place not being full has nothing to do with your value and your calling. It just, it just means that's delayed. When they come or whatever, or whatever, we prayed this morning. Pam and I prayed this morning for increase all over, from all over the city, and um, I, believe, I believe that that's what God's doing. Well, here it says in John, oh, my question, my question is, what is the greatest thing that could happen in your life now? Everybody in here is, you know, happily married. Well, let's just say you're married or whatever. Or you've been married or you've, you know, in other words, that thing. We're not schoolboys and girls that are just, you know, hot to trot for, you know, some relationship. That's, that thing's out. And money, I think money's pretty much, we're not all just uh, so distracted by the pursuit of money. Uh, maybe you have been, maybe you have seen it, but right now we're all kind of like God will provide. Are y'all there? You know, you know, it's not where I would like it to be, but I'm on track and I've got the promises. So really, what uh, what is the, you know, and you've got a garden, maybe you've got a garden, or maybe you like to tinker on a car, maybe you crochet. you got a little thing going here, riding motorcycles or jumping out of airplanes with little, with little, you know, bed sheets hooked to your back. Whatever you do for the side thing. But here's what really would satisfy you. Either to receive or make manifest a miracle in somebody's life. That's really what you want. You want to be ministering life to somebody 
in a supernatural sense. Not counseling, not, uh, you know, that you, you've got an idea or something, but you want to take the power of God that you know is inside of you, that you know by the new birth is God's got a deposit in you. All these messages and all these encounters in the Word of God and all your praying where God talks to you have deposited things in you and you want to let them out. And the way to let them out is, is a miracle. A supernatural release of God's power into somebody's life. That the literally the lost are found, the blind see, the lame walk, just, you know, or even in your own life where you're not just going to the doctor and grinding it out and taking a procedure. I mean, we've done that. We've been on the bridge. But I'm so glad we're getting off the bridge. And we want the power of God in our lives. We all do. That's We just don't know how, and we just don't really know what to do next. And I, I, think, I think that's what we want. I see y'all taking notes. We, we Doers of the Word take notes. We're not just hearers only, but we expect God to talk to us in this message. We're not, we're not limited to say, oh, it's pastor again. Well, who'd you expect? It's, <laughs> it may be this way a while. But it's not me. It's not, we're not limited to my intellect, to my... God's going to speak through me, and I'm trusting Him for that, and I know you are too, that He's going to talk to you in a way that I won't even be aware of, and that uh, the situation here, He's just going to talk to you, and you, you write it down, because you think, ah, that's so powerful, I'll never forget it. How about 2 o'clock you won't be able to, to put it out like you heard it? Maybe by dessert. <laughs> you know, so we got to write it down. So I appreciate you being doers of the word, taking notes. So having a miracle in your life is the most exciting thing that this level of Christian, to, to have a miracle or, in our case, to minister a miracle. And as you minister them, they become natural and easy for you to receive them. Once you, once you work in the supernatural, and I mean work in the sense of, of, of asking God to use you, getting your righteousness right. God, I'm just a worm. You wouldn't use me. No, that's not who we are. God, I, I am born again. I am a child of God. I've been stamped out in the pattern of Jesus. I am blood-bought. I am heaven-bound. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. We could do some miracles here, Lord. And there's folks that need them. I just don't know really how to, to interface with them. One thing we're going to do in our Bible studies, and I, I don't know when this is going to happen, but I am personally working on this day and night. I'm getting myself together so we can do it. But one thing we're going to do in our Bible studies is not just teach the Word. We're going to do some spirit, soul, and body and things that people don't know. But we're going to lay hands on the sick. When they come in, who, who needs their, their back healed or their migraine or their whatever? And it's just going to happen in a way that you might not ever see in the corporate church. People are pretty intimidated in church. Church is a scary thing right now to a lot of people. And so we're just going to go in your home and have Kool-Aid or crackers or cookie, whatever you can find, to, you know, and coffee, and just lay hands on them and boom, a miracle. You're going to be very happy to have this. Now there's a lot of logistics, you know, of how to get people in and all that. But we are filled with God and it won't be hard for us to find out how to do it. And we'll all come to your Bible study and, and act like we, you know, are brand new. And, and so your visitors will not even know that we're, we're all plants. We're just all there to 
support. I don't know how it's going to work, but can you get inspired with me right now? That's, that's another way to get the life out of us. And I'll tell you what will happen is you'll get strong. I'm strong because I minister the Word often. And the Word you got that goes to you and through you, you know, the inside of the hose gets wet when you turn the faucet on. There is no doubt. And so you're not near as strong as you'll be as when you minister. And you may think, I know all about healing and I know all about righteousness. I know all about tithing. But when you have to minister it, you, you have to collect yourself. You kind of have to pull yourself together and say, what is it that I know and what is it that's in me? And you might find that there's, a, there's some work to be done on that. So John chapter 5, are you there? I'm, I'm, I'm tuned up here. I have something to bring you that's real powerful. And uh, you, 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 we're, go- we're going to create, we're going to begin this morning on how to create an atmosphere for miracles. How to create an atmosphere in you personally for miracles. And I want to tell you right now, it's not the job of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, or the teacher. What is the job of those guys? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's that's our job. My job is not to be the, the big guy. Everybody needs a miracle. Come up here and I'll touch you and lay hands on you and spit on you and, and you know, whatever it takes. You know, that's not... It happens and sometimes that... Uh, the gifts of healing show up for that for the minister, but not any more than for you. We just got to be retrained. We got to just say, it's me. Point yourself with me right now and say, it's me. Come on, it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me. And I'll tell you the other thing. It's now. Say it. It's now. It's me and it's now. It's not for when the apocalypse and for the, you know, the mark of the beast. It's not for that. I mean, maybe, but we're not going to be here for that that period. It's now. And there's a big sweeping of the kingdom coming in. There's a harvest coming in. And I'll tell you all that we're going through right now. It's not even a mystery. We're training. We're training for a day we haven't experienced and for a people we've never seen and a lot of people don't want to be trained they just want to get they want to get and go i think there's a convenience store named get and go (laughs) they want to get and go you know just bless me i'm on my way through i don't want to give no money and i don't want to do nothing with my life i just want to be in church so god will probably have mercy on me and and let me go to heaven so we're not those people so we're not going to have, we're not, don't have that approach. John 5, I'm almost there. Chapter 9, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, so it's going to be powerful, isn't it? Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. The Son. So the Lord Jesus said he can do nothing of himself. Why is this? Because he became a man. He wasn't divine on earth. He became a man without sin. But what he seeth the Father do, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So how hard is that? Father does a miracle. He does a a work in somebody's life. We see that in our faith place. 
down here in the spirit, we see that. We, we, we become qualified. Lord, as, as you are, so am I in the world. Isn't that what John said? First John says? As he is, so are we in this world. Lord, I see myself doing what you would do, and we get over there and we see needs, and the Father shows us, I want to heal that leg, or I want to, I want to take care of this fever. And we suddenly qualify, we suddenly see ourselves doing it. It's a desire. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. We see ourselves doing what the Father shows us. I guarantee you the heathen aren't thinking of this. The backslid aren't thinking this. The nominal and lukewarm are not thinking, well, if I could just lay hands on somebody and help them. They're all thinking, I wish somebody would come help me. Then he goes on. That's uh, verse and 20 says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things. How many? All things that himself doeth. So the Father is going to give us a pattern. He's going to show us. We don't have to be afraid. He's going to show you what to do. Now, how cool is God that he, you don't even have to make it up. You don't even have to wonder if you're on track. He's going to show you what to do. He even showed the Lord Jesus what to do. The Lord Jesus had to be shown what to do. Let me read it again. You may not believe that. The Father loveth the Son. Well, are you a son or daughter? Absolutely. And showeth him all things that himself God doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. So they're not going to be just things that are like, uh, well, I'm going to pray for you that your levels, your, 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 soul, your hormones are normal. Your chemo- No, he's going to show you stuff that you can say, wow, look what God just did for me. Marvel. Not like, okay, you, you know, this is a little better and this, I think it's a little better. I'm... No, marvel. And then... For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will. Well, He's compared us to the Son, saying, here's what the Lord Father's doing for Jesus. This is what He's going to do for you. He's going to show you what to do. Well, why hadn't He? Well, because we haven't really been looking for it. You know, if you... I played with my radio going to Texas because I drove out there, and there's a lot of junk on the radio. How do you get the junk off? You just move the dial. You don't want that my dog fell off the train, you know, while I was drunk going down. You don't like that song? Just turn it, and they'll be bringing in the sheaves just one channel over. We're the same way. We can turn over. um, We can tune in to what God's saying. I'm tuning in right now. I'm tuning in. God, would you, could you use me? Could you use me? Lord, I, I don't have the greatest track record, and God, I know I hadn't always been in the right frame of mind, and I've been thinking about me and whatever. But Lord, if I was to open up, could you use me? I think he says yes. I think he says, boy, this is all I needed was permission. I'm giving him permission to use me, and I'm tuning into people now. Like never before. I'm, I'm not. Listen, I didn't just come out of the gutter. I, I, I've been. I've always been this way. But I mean, I am. I am focusing now. I, I've had a life change, and 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 we all are getting life changes. 
better than mine, I'm sure. Uh, it says, now go over to with me to chapter 14. John 14. We're talking about uh, creating an atmosphere for miracles. Getting an atmosphere in you. In chapter 14, look what the Lord uh, says in verse 11. I mean, this is in the Bible. This is New Testament. This isn't Leviticus or, or some apocrypha. This is in your B-I-B-L-E. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Well, could you say that about yourself? Could you say that right now about yourself? Believe me that I'm in the Father. Are you all in the Father? I am. And the Father, is He in you? By the Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, He's in. Or else believe me, look, look, or believe me for the very work's sake. He said, if you can't make that jump, if you can't be spiritual, just hide and watch. That's what my dad used to say, just hide and watch. I'm going to show you how this works. He said, I'm going to demonstrate what you can't get by faith without seeing it. I'm going to show it to you. So if you have to have a demonstration for God to prove that He's in you and you're in Him, He'll do it. He'll meet us wherever we're at. You're little, He'll meet you. You're big, He'll meet you. He, he, you just don't have to do anything except say, except say, Lord, meet me. Wherever I am, just meet me. He said, I'll got it. I'll do it by faith. I'll do it by demonstration. I'll do it. Just let me in. And then it goes on, verse 12, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, that's me, what's he, what, what's he fixing to say? The works that I do shall he do also. Those that word works there is miraculous works. Do y'all believe the Bible? This is the red part. The works that Jesus said, the works that I do shall he do. Who is he? He that believeth on me. Now, y'all, this is, this is pretty confrontational. I mean, it's hard to walk away from there saying, I believe the Bible, but I don't believe that. I don't believe he'll use me. I don't believe there's miracles to, to, to be done. I don't believe this. I don't believe, but, but yet Jesus said it. Right here he said it, what, if you believe on me, what I do, you'll do. And then, if that wasn't just wild-eyed, he said, and greater works than these. What are these? The works that he's done. Greater works than these shall he do because I go into the Father. Now, what's that got to do? Well, he's sending Holy Spirit. He said, when Holy Spirit comes, I'm leaving, he's coming. And he's going to be able to do more than I was because I was in one place at one time. Y'all know that when he was in Bethsaida, he was not in Capernaum. He was, he was here or he was there, but Holy Spirit, wherever you are is where he is, and wherever you need it to be, he'll be there. He said, this thing's an upgrade. This thing is, well, Jesus has ascended to the Father, and guess what? Holy Spirit did come. We're on fire, y'all, and we don't even know we're burning. We don't even smell the smoke, but we're on fire. I mean, he's already said, I have set you on fire. Wake up. Wake up. I've set you on fire, and I want you to do some stuff for me. 
Well, Lord, I want to do something for you. I'll feed the hungry, and Lord, I'll, I'll rake somebody's yard for leaves, and okay, do that if you want to. That's fine. But why don't you go in there and cast cancer out? Why don't you go in there and just and, and take grandma's seizures and just evict them? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? Lord, I thought leave raking was about as far as I could go. No, the righteousness of God, filled with God, always trying to, I, we can do more. The Lord didn't rake leaves. I mean, that we know of. He didn't hand out groceries. He just multiplied. If you had two cans of pinto beans, you had 2,000 cans of pinto beans or whatever. You know, he just, he just made it where you would marvel. When we had angel food, nobody marveled. But it was a good thing. It was good for us. Praise God. Praise God. Well, here's my assessment of that. Very few Christians know why miracles happens. We have this thing that we talk about the red socks, you know. Well, that was supernatural and I had my red socks on. It must be that when I wear my red socks, there might be miracles. And so nobody has a pair of red socks, do they? We're safe then. We don't know why miracles happen. But they're as predictable as the sun coming up and as gravity keeping us on the ground. They're as attainable and predictable and schedulable. You can actually schedule them. I believe I'll do some miracles today. Boom, you're in. You're on the schedule. Miracles are in your path. You go, how come that hasn't ever happened? Because we've never scheduled them. We've never said, Lord, I'm volunteering. Do I have any volunteers for miracles? Yeah, well... We never raised our hand to that. We never thought. We just said, you know, God, if you want me to, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to me. And that's not exactly how it always works. So um, most Christians do not believe in miracles. And then the rest of them that believe in them don't know how they happen. And we are going to be that people, if we are not anything else, that know why miracles happen and we schedule them on a daily basis. Listen, your job is not to go to your job. Your job is not to take care of your family, but I'm encouraging you to do both. Your job is to do those as you and I go and do the supernatural. Because, listen, there's 98% of all the families in Tuscaloosa are not depending on somebody to take care of them. They're pretty much getting themselves through life. Anyway, Galatians chapter 3. Would you turn there? I'm going to talk about the atmosphere. There's an atmosphere for miracles. Well, if you listen to most Christians, they say, if God wants to do a miracle for me, if he wants to heal me or fund me or pay my bills, he knows where I'm at. He knows the water bill's late. He knows that my car payment is behind. He knows, and if he wants to do it, he knows where I am. And I want to tell you, you, would, you didn't get born again that way. He knows I'm going to hell, and if he wants to save me, he'll just do it. That's bad theology. It's bad doctrine. You and I have a part. We have to have an atmosphere to get born again. You've got to empty out and say, I am a sinner. You can't say, I'm a good old boy, and I'll probably go to heaven on my good works. That's the wrong atmosphere. You won't get born again in that atmosphere. 
you got to empty out and say, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner and I am going to hell because Jesus is not in me. And when you get in that atmosphere, then God shows up. And you can just say, Lord, come into my life. Or just something not even that good. And He will flood in and you will be supernaturally regenerated into the image and likeness of God. That's an atmosphere. It's not just saying I need sinning. Healing is the same way. God, you know I got cancer, and if you want to heal me, you know. That's, that doesn't happen. Because what it is is it's, it, they're double-dog daring God to heal them because that way they can be rejected. It's not my fault if God didn't heal me because he knew I was sick and I'm a Christian. No, you've got to release faith. You've got to release faith. And there's a time lapse in faith. And we have to defeat the time lapse. So Galatians chapter 3, look at this. It says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? One translation says, Are you so stupid? Having begun in the Spirit. How many of you and I were begun in the Spirit? We got born again. That was a spiritual act. We were begun in the Spirit. We didn't do it by works. We didn't, we didn't hit gold star status in our works. And he say, Well, you get to be born again now. Are you begun in the Spirit? Now are you now made perfect by the flesh? So, we had to die to self to get born again, and we have to stay dead to ourselves to stay born again, or to stay activated in the Spirit. And he says, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore, let me make sure I'm on this right, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, look, look, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth it he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So he's telling us right there, if you want to work miracles, you're going to do it by the hearing of faith. You're going to hear that God wants you and has empowered you to do miracles, and you're going to believe, and in believing, you're going to step out. Did y'all know faith is spelled R-I-S-K? It's you got to walk up to that person in the store. You got to invite them to your Bible study. You got to you got to come over and and make conversation with them and lead them to wherever they need to go. It's it's risky. They can say, "Get away from me. I don't want you." You can get rejected. That's why people don't ask God to heal them. He knows where I am. He can heal me if he wants to. It's because they don't want to be rejected by God. But actually, they are. They don't believe God will. And they don't want to take the chance that he won't. So here's that, worketh miracles among you. He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. Did you know, look, look, that from heaven's perspective about a Christian, not the Methodists or the Presbyterians or the Pentecostals, that heaven's rendition of a Christian, a born-again man, a born-again woman, is that miracles are common, normal, regular, consistent. They're every day. Say every day. Every day. day. Miracles every day. That's what heaven's thinking, and whatever heaven thinks, that's what they fund. That's what they empower. That's what they release is what they expect. Did you know that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost on Tuesday and Wednesday? It's not just Thursday only. He's got an everyday plan. Whenever you're ready, he says, we can do it. You can be healed on Saturday. You can be 
You can speak in tongues on Monday evening. Any day the Spirit works. But we're, we're on some sort of schedule. We've got to get on God's plan. It's normal to have miracles. I'm going to talk about the first thing. We've got just a few minutes here. The first thing to creating an atmosphere for miracles. If you want to know where we're at, we're in this... Uh, we're working out a little book. Y'all all got a little book? I mean, you'll go in and I won't be using any of this, but we're going to use this outline. And the first thing in that line is obedience. Simple obedience. So let's talk about obedience. How many of y'all and me could be obedient? I can do that. Not climb every mountain, swim every sea, but obedient, I can do that. I'm in charge of me, and if I want to rebel or, or be lawless, I can do that, but I can be obedient. I can conform. I can submit. I can do it God's way. I can do it God's way. I, there's nothing in me that says I was born wrong or I was my parents did me wrong. I, nope, I can do it. So the first thing we're going to look at is uh, in John chapter 2. Now I have a scripture that's not John chapter 2. It's Isaiah 112. And let me just tell you what Isaiah 112 is. I'm sure you could quote it. What does Isaiah 112 says? That uh, the willing and the obedient... He who is willing and obedient is good of the land. So you can be obedient and not willing. That's not willing. You know, that's, that's just saying I'm having to get along here. Well, you can do that with God. You can go to church this morning just for looks or just because you want the preacher to see that you're there, that you're... You, you can be unwilling but obedient or conforming. But we're going to be obedient in all the ways. We're going to say, Lord, I want to be obedient. I want an atmosphere of miracles. God says, well, I'm not going to be bringing miracles to the lawless, the rebellious, the anarchist. I'm not, that's not where miracles are going to happen. You can't be bucking God. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you can't be bucking God and be a miracle worker. Makes sense. You love your kids. I love you kids. I, everything I've... Don't get along with me. If you don't do what I say, if we don't do It's my way or the highway. <laughs> when you're at home, it should be. And, you know, it's like, okay, you're my kid, but we're not going to, you don't get overflow. There's no car on Saturday night. There's no allowance on Monday morning. There, none of that. You just get to eat and sleep. You get what I'm saying? It's not coming out very good, but that's what I mean. Obedience is the first ingredient to an atmosphere of miracles. In John chapter 2, look in verse 5. Here we have, this is chapter 2. So, you know, John is just now starting to talk about the Lord Jesus. Not very far along in his discourse. And, uh, well, let's read the whole thing. The third day there was a marriage, verse 1, in, the, in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus were called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, now, y'all, this is a different day about wine. It's not the kind of wine we do, and it's not the kind of... The Proverbs says wine is a mocker. So don't think, well, Jesus did wine, so I can do wine. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. And they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, this is his mother. When's the last time you talked to your mother and said, woman? <laughs> Would you take out the trash, Johnny? Woman? <laughs> Okay, what have I to do with thee? 
That will probably not get you extra privileges. Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants. Look, she didn't say it to the Lord Jesus. She said to the servants, whatever he saith unto you, what? Do it. Now that is the law of the kingdom. You don't have to do what Joey was told to do. You don't have to do what Justin has got to do. The, the Lord may have him witnessing out in his, in his neighborhood. And they may have Joey, you know, feeding the homeless or whatever. And you go, well, that's what God wants me to do. No, whatever he saith to you, do it. He sent me to Tuscaloosa. But there was a whole town that I came from, and none of them were sent to Tuscaloosa. But for me, I had to do it. You know, the Bible says in uh, Luke 12, 48, that to whom much is given, much is required. You can't measure your life against somebody else. You've got to do what God tells you to do. And you know what it is. You know it because it never leaves you. You can, you can shake it off. You can, you can rationalize it. You can talk yourself into it. That's not God. But it'll never leave you. And you won't hear much about anything after God tells you to do something that's important for you and you won't do it. It dries up. The brook dries up. He doesn't talk to you about other things until you get back onto what he's talking about. You can't just say, you know, woman... I don't want to talk to you about that. Let's change the subject. No, the Lord's not woman. He doesn't, he doesn't change the subject. He's got that thing. It's the step in your path. And he's talking to you about something. And you just well get on it. You just well get on it. You just well do it. He loves you. He's still going to bless you. But you just need to know your life that was designed to go up here is barely going to get the wheels up. Just barely get the wheels up and just, you know, just kite along the bottom where there's lots of dangers, lots of troubles, lots of devil, lots of curses, lots of people, mean people. You, the wheels are hardly up because you just won't do it God's way. And He's fair. He's just. He's kind. He's not asking you to do something you can't do that's not even good for you. He's a good father. So if there's any discrepancy, it's always the rebellious child. The rebellious child, the, 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 the lawless child that says, I, I'm the boss of me, you're not the boss of me. There's no miracles coming in your life. You can, you can, you'll eat, you'll, you'll drive, you'll have a job, you'll, you'll deal with your kids in the principal's office, and you'll deal with your job, you know, but you won't have the supernatural. Amen. That's, that's how it is. Um, Obedience is actually just trust. Garland talked about trusting this morning, trusting the Lord. When you tithe, when you bring your offerings, what you're really saying is, is that I trust God. I can't make it on my own. I can't even make it with 100%. And now i got to pull out 10 and then offerings. And I'm not... 100 is just barely, if at all. Oh, yeah, it's a trust issue. It's calling him Father. Father always takes care of the kids. So, uh, verse 11. Let's go down and see how this thing turns out. It says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. Well, what's the miracle? What he told the servants to do, you remember, he said, fill these water pots up and bear them to the governor of the feast. And what the governor say, he says, oh, most people give the 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 
the good wine at the first and leave the, after everybody's drunk, they bring out the whatever. He said, but you saved the best till last. It was a miracle. The water had turned into wine because they did whatsoever he told them to do. Easy to qualify. You want a miracle? You want to be a miracle worker? This is easy. You have a personal life. You have a personal dream. You have a personal assignment. It's fitted for you. All the parts are in you. The personality's right. If you married who you God told you to or led you to, then that's working, that's helping, that's in there. If you're living where he said, that's all set up. If you're working where he said, I mean, we can miss it, repent, and then he adjusts. But we just we live a life of obedience that just says, I don't have a clue where we're going. I need the GPS thing. I promise you, you got to have this thing. I was looking for my motel in Bossier City, and it's like, where is this? And she says, turn right. Well, I've been turning left. Turn right here, and you'll get there. And I did. God's better GPS than she is. He'll take you. But you'll say, I don't want to turn right. Okay. Go to Shreveport. <laughs> Your hotel's not there, but go to Shreveport if you want to. Y'all, lots of people are in Shreveport that were supposed to be somewhere else. And, it, and, and life just never works as good when you're working the back streets of life instead of on the freeway. You go, why is my life so hard? It's just simple obedience. So you married the wrong woman or you married the wrong man or you're living in the wrong city. You didn't want to go to that city and you didn't want to work at that job and you just didn't want to drive that car. I want a car like the Joneses have next door and I don't want this car and I just want this and want that and I want to do it my way. Fine, you'll go to heaven. You'll just bless the, the, the gates of heaven but you'll have a hard life down here. It'll be normal. It'll be worldly. It'll be carnal. You'll have troubles and you won't know how to get out of them because the GPS got turned off. God's just, he's still telling you about, you know, how to get out of Tuscaloosa, so to speak. And you're trying to, you know, navigate eastern Louisiana, western Louisiana. It, you, you, get, you see what I mean? But you can just flush all that. First John says, First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, our rebelliousness, our lawlessness, our me, 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 and say, God, I'm tired of me. I want some of you. It, the Bible says he is faithful. He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to wipe out our past. It doesn't mean that it just instantly leaves, but it means there's a path on, GPS or whatever name is, comes on. And says, take a right, make a U-turn at the first place you can and get this thing on the right track. I'm telling you, God's good. He's just so good. Why would we buck something so good? Amen. We do, though, don't we? We, we certainly do. So this miracle happened, this first miracle, because somebody did what the Lord Jesus said. He, all he said was, fill up the water pots. And these guys could have botched it. We're not feeling this. It's not. No, no, I'm not. You ever done that? Um, I, I don't want to bore you all with old stories, but I, I do want to put this in. That, that one time I was farming. I got the Holy Ghost, and Debbie and I were on the track for God. We didn't, know, we, we didn't even know anybody that was going where we thought we were going. 
to tell us how this worked. And so uh, he told me to turn my water off. Uh, in West Texas, you, in the summer, if it doesn't rain, and it doesn't rain, you water seven days a week. So that meant I had a Sunday school class. That meant on Sunday morning I had to be in the field to switch water at 6 o'clock. In other words, it was running in this set of pipes, and I had to... to uh, uh, I'd been there at midnight and, and switched it from this one to that one, and I had to, so I had to come out there at 6 in Sunday morning and move this one up and switch this water that had run from midnight to 6, switch it into this, and be back at noon. It's a six-hour set. It's a tough schedule in the summer. And so the Lord said, uh, get up on Sunday morning and go turn, shut your wells off. Don't even move anything. Just shut your wells off. Well, my dad was the boss of my life. He thought anyway, and he's, you know, he's Mr. We're going to do it the regular way, and he just had a fit, but I was on my own. I wasn't farming with him. I just was farming around him, and I turned it off. I had a good crop that year. Woohoo! The next thing the Lord told me, he says, I don't want you sand fighting anymore. Sand fighting is a machine that you run over your crop after a rain, a hard rain, because the rain slicks off that sand, and if it blows, and you got little cotton, if, you got, if it blows, the, the sand will get on top of that crust and run down the, uh, the furrows, and it'll just burn, every, it'll be black as a burned matchstick. That little green plants in the morning, by three in the afternoon, they will be completely black. And you're done. You, you've got $125,000 in that crop, and you are done. There's nothing to do except replant beans or sunflowers or some gimpy crop. You're done. So everybody is up early after a rain running a sand fighter. And I did too, except he said, don't do it on Sunday. Well, there's no danger unless it blows. If the wind doesn't blow, you're good. It's, you don't have to go sand fight on Sunday if the wind doesn't blow. But if the wind blows, and it always blows, and I trusted God. And you're talking about putting all your so-called chips in the center of the table and saying my whole crop and my whole farming career and a lot of money is on the line if I don't get out there on Sunday. It was major. It was harder to do than tithing when I first started tithing because everything's on the line. And Because it wasn't like, well, I was over there doing brain surgery on somebody. I'm just sitting at home. I'm going to church and sitting at home till Monday. I'm telling you. And then my dad's like, what are you doing, son? And we had a hard time back then. But I was... I was stepping out in my faith, but it never blew on Sunday. The whole time, those two years, it never, ever blew until I got through sand fighting on Monday. Well, you just say, you can tell me your doctrine or your experience, but I can tell you my, my experience was God came through. And it's just like, okay, it wasn't that I needed Sundays, but that he was Lord of Sundays for me. And so I went to my Sunday school class, and I, you know, did all that thing, and I took a day of rest. It was a big step, and God, he, he, he did it. Um, one time we had, a, we had a little car. We had had a, a nice Suburban, the finest car I ever had, a 1980 Suburban, and the church got in trouble financially. We just weren't making our payments, and the Lord said, I want you to sell this car, our Suburban. Yeah. If there was ever a golden calf, 
in my life. It was that suburban. I was so proud of that thing. We were, two days after we got it, bought it at Bob Brown uh, uh, GMC in La Mesa, and uh, Debbie's mother and grandmother came and said, we want to go to PTL. Can we borrow your car? It's like two days old. <laughs> These people drink Coke. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, sell it. So we took it to Lubbock, sold it. He said, sell it for $8,000. And I chickened out, and I capitulated at 7900 But anyway, got the money, got the church back up. We bought a little Cavalier that had been repainted, been wrecked, and had been repainted. It was just a little, it was a roller skate. Uh, uh, and so we had that, and we were just like, God, it's good to serve you. I've been, I've been through, just like you, I've been through some stuff. My faith has been growing because I've trusted him, and he always came through. And we didn't have any money, and he said, believe me for a new car. And so there was a black Chrysler, and they were going out of business. And we, he said, believe me, for a new car with no money. Told Debbie that. And so we went down there, and the guy said, no money, no car. So we just trusted God. We bought that car. We... But so much so it, was so, it was a black New Yorker that they called Eric at school. They called him G-Money. I don't know what that means, but they called him G-Money. You know, oh, your parents, the preachers, are driving the... Anyway, let me go on. Uh, he told me when I went into the ministry to not take vocational employment. All pastors of little churches work another job. All of them. He told me not to. Then he told us to go to Alabama. Then he told us from Birmingham to go to Tuscaloosa. Y'all know that. And then he told us when we got down here looking for a house to believe him for a new house. I don't know why. It's not that we're special. It's not that, you know, that it's better or that we had more faith. Whatever his reasons were, he said, I want you in a new house. And we found this house over here that the, the builder had could not sell it. He was just about to lose it. It had been broke into and... Uh, and he sold it to us. And so, I have a miracle life. I have a miracle life. I know you do. We got you up here. We'd be till supper time getting through all your testimonies. But I'm, it's my pulpit today. So, I'm going to tell you mine. But I'm saying, you can't out faith God. He'll meet you. And miracles, these are all miracles. These are all miracles. For it not to blow on Sunday... For it to, to, to turn the water off and still have a great crop, it's, just, it's not just like, well, it turned out good. I'll tell you all another one you, you know, uh, next week. But here's my scripture. It's in 1 Samuel 15. Uh, Barry's going to put up the new living. Um, here's the Old Testament version about obedience. Because you may say, you may say, I'm, I get pretty close. Um, I'll tell you all the story. Uh, here, but he, here it is in Samuel. Uh, the, the prophet told the king, Saul, he said, when you get to this city, I want you to kill everybody. We don't want any of these people marrying our girls. We don't want any of these people having Canaanite or Philistine, whatever kind of people. We don't want any of them infecting and, and, and tearing up this Hebrew nation. I Saul, kill everybody. And, the, and, and Saul wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He said, uh, well, there's some cattle over there. There's some, and he wouldn't do it. And uh, 
And so the prophet came back to him and he said, uh, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings, because that's what he did in sacrifices. He did that. Instead of burn, uh, killing everybody, he just offered God an offering. Or your obedience to his voice. So let's ask ourselves. Point to yourself with me and let's read that together. What is more pleasing to the Lord, Michael, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Now, you say that's not me. It's all of us. We've all negotiated the terms. Unilaterally, I might add. We told God, this is what I'll give you. He says, this is what I want you to do. And we'll say, well, I, I can get close to that, but I can't give you that. And he said, well, if you can't give me that, you didn't give me anything. Did you get me right there? If you didn't give me what I asked for, you didn't do anything. No, Lord, I burned a bunch of sacrifices and I brought the gold into the temple and I, I, we're going to make these servants build you a temple over here and it'll all... God, I got a better plan than you do. I have thought this out. And God said, you hadn't thought nothing out. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Now, here it is right here. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. What does the King James says? Uh, 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 rebellion is, is, is as the sin of witchcraft. Okay. Y'all, witchcraft is B-A-D. God does not like witchcraft. And rebellion is the same as. Don't. We've we got to obey. And he says, so because you have rejected the command of the Lord. No, Lord, I didn't reject it. I just tweaked it. I just adjusted it. I just made it easier for both of us. He has rejected his, you as king. Well, you can go and read that story. But here's the bottom line. You cannot gain by sacrifice what you lose by disobedience. You can't say, God, I'm, I'm three quarters good, so count that. He says, you're still at zero. Till you do what I said, in the way that I said it, with a happy heart, you're at zero. That seems hard. But God's looking at a higher vantage point, and he's got the whole thing rolling. He's got the whole kingdom meshing and fitting and, and, and moving together. And then we go in there and say, I got an idea. And we throw this monkey wrench into the gears thinking that our part is important. But it's the whole kingdom that's working. You remember Moses was 40 years on the backside of the desert just so that he could talk to Pharaoh 12 times and set the nation of Israel free. He may have been a little ticked 40 years. Why me and why doesn't, you know, these guys have to do something and why me, why me? 40 years just for this, you know, this little two-week assignment. He may have you on an assignment Yea, verily, he does. That doesn't show up right now. That's not paying or playing right now. He's got you in training for a day that's going to be glorious, but now you're just grinding it out. You're just, you're just running laps, running bleachers, because someday you're going to be in the marathon and you, he wants you to win. But you've got to run the bleachers now. God, I need some glory. I need a confirmation this is going to play out, because I don't want to run these bleachers unless there's going to be something really good. And God's just not saying a word. He said, do what I said. Do what I said like I said, do it. God, 
Rebellious is the same as witchcraft. Either he's in charge or you're in charge. There is no duality. A lot of wasted lives because people wanted to do it their way. A lot of ruined families because the head of the house or the woman, either way, said, I, I'm going to do this my way and we're going we're gonna to this and we're going to do that. And it's like, that's not God's plan. Okay. I had somebody in my family. Y'all may know this story, but I'm not going to tell it. But somebody in my family, uh, after Debbie passed, did not ever call me. Someone big in my family that should have called me did not call me and say, hey, I'm sorry about your loss. I mean, this is family. And so um, eventually, three weeks later, I got a picture of that I'd never seen before. It was a picture of me and her when before we were married, sitting on the front porch of my parents' house, and we're just you know we're just sitting there next to each other, and she's just cute as a bug, and we're I'm I'm in some farmer thing, hair blown out and everything. It's real is a real special picture. And so when I confronted this family member, uh, they said, "Well, you know, I didn't want to bother you." You know, I knew you were busy with all that's going on. This is, you know, and I'm like, what? What are you, busy? Busy? It's just, it was beyond me. And then, it's, then I, I questioned him, or her, or him, them, whoever it was. <laughs> and uh, it, just, it just got further and further. But the truth is, the truth is, he would, they would have had to humble themselves in order to call me because there was some little rift from way back, and they just didn't want to call and give me a condolence. So he sent a picture versus offering me love. And he thought I would be satisfied. Let me tell you, I wasn't. You wouldn't be either. You'd say he was crazy. And I told him so. You are crazy. Well, I may have said too much, but I knitted the tape out. I'm just telling you, and it's not a personal grievance. Because two days later, uh, you know, he sent me some apologies saying, I, I ask you for your mercy. Well, I didn't have to give mercy. I'd already forgiven him. You know, Christians, we don't have to have an apology. Y'all, just a little side note. When someone wrongs you because you've been forgiven of much, we forgive. We don't say. The thing is, is this person had another family member two years ago that did something and then apologized for it to this same person, and this same person said, I don't think you're really sincere in your apology. I do not accept your apology. This is the one that didn't call me. So it's like, uh, we don't need apologies. We want them, and they're, they, they feel good, but they're, we've been forgiven of much. We forgive much. So I'd already forgiven this, this guy. I'd already forgiven him, but uh, he wasn't released. You know, in other words, it was eating him up because I, I lit into him. <laughs> you can, you wouldn't have recognized me. So <laughs> hallelujah. So how many of y'all want to be at the right place at the right time in the end times, right before Jesus comes to get us and, and pulls us up into heaven and say, well done, mission accomplished, you, but you're done. You know, I got, I was putting this off, but let me go back for 30 days and take care of some stuff. Nope, it's over. You did what you did and it's done. 
I've got to get some business done. How about y'all? So you've got to get sin out of your life. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just. If you missed it in the past, you can't fix it. Now, if it's still relevant, I mean, if He, tell you, if he told you to marry Martha Sue and you married uh, Nellie Bell, you can't, you can't say, Nellie Bell, I got to go. I got to go back this right. No, no, son, it's, it's, that's not how that works. No, you're done. What you do is 1 John 1, 9, and you say, Lord, I, I'm sorry I messed up the plan. Could we reroute this? He'll say, take a U-turn at the next, you know, and he'll start routing your life. The thing is, is to get sin out of your life. Get the guilt out of your life. And you've got to empty out like a sinner that says, I've got to empty out before I can get born again. You and I have to empty it out before we can get God to bring an atmosphere of miracles. I want miracles so that I can get people born again, so I can get people healed. That's all I want. I mean, get them born again, they're going to heaven now, and then get them healed so they're free here. So uh, get free. Yes, ma'am. Well, let's do that. Let's do that. In Jesus' name. Well, just sit right there, Miss... Ah. Oh, yes, ma'am, I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Miss Caps, it's... Uh, mm. In Jesus' name. So you were letting something go this morning. Yes. Let's all let something go right now. All over this house. Let's just let it go. Right now, just say, I'm letting it go. I, I'll work on this later maybe, but I'm, right now I, I know what's got to be done. So Lord, thank you for Miss Mildred. I, and right now I loose the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus into her body and into her eyes. And I command you eyes to see and to work and to function according to the power of God. And I call you healed, Miss Mildred. I call you whole now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. And that's, we're calling that done. It's done. All right. Now that's how it's supposed to work right there. Right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, before your mighty hand. And we say, Lord, we, we want miracles. We were foolish. We were rebellious. We were, we were crazy-eyed in our own esteem of ourselves. But now, Lord, we throw that stuff out. I repent. I repent, Lord. I repent of willfulness. I repent of pride. I repent of self-righteousness. I repent of being a renegade, a prodigal, Lord of idolatry, putting me on top of a special place, Lord of disdaining others, saying, you're not as good as me. Lord, I, Lord we all cast it down. We say, I'm sorry. Lord, we, and, and just being foolish, just foolish, in our foolishness and our youthful lust, foolish, and making wrong choices, and it's cost us so much. Lord, there's nothing new to pay. We've paid dearly for our rebellion. Now, I ask you to restore all of us, Lord, the blood of Jesus, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We repent, Lord. I repent. We repent, Lord, of going down our own way, just, just cutting you out of the program. But now, Lord, we want you to be the whole program. And just like you're healing Miss Mildred's eyes, Lord, I ask you for restoration in all of our bodies, in all of our monies, 
all of our relationships that have been broken and torn up and discarded, Lord, bring them back together. I ask you to plot a new course for us, Lord, each one of us, the way back before it's too late. And Lord, because of Jesus, we expect that it's done. It'll be as if we never sinned, Lord, now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. It's a good day. It's a good day. Well, you'll feel better. You'll, you, you'll be better. But the thing is, is now you can do something for others. They're in, they're in dire straits. I, there's people in the hospital. There's people that are not in the hospital. They can't afford to go or whatever. And they're in dire straits. And we gotta, we got to help them. It's, if everybody in every place did the kingdom, then the whole, ki- the whole world would be okay. We're just responsible for our place, whatever that is, Tuscaloosa or whatever. So thank you for staying with River Church to this day. You won't be sorry. You won't be sorry, but it's a promise I'm not making you. It's just one the Lord's making. Thank you for, for not cutting and running. Very important. So there's good here. There's obedience here. There's a lot of things that you did do right and, and that we stayed on. Well, amen. Anybody else need healing? Prayer this morning, I should say. Is, Denise, what's going on? Oh, what do you call that? Ro- rotator. Yeah. Rotator cut. Right shoulder? Well, stand up here. Let's, let's get a rotator cut fixed this morning, y'all. Amen. So you're in this message. You, you're going to do it God's way, aren't you? Yep. Yep. Lord, we thank you for an atmosphere of miracles this morning. Jesus. Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord, you've healed many rotator cuts. Just people couldn't lift their hand to their, to their shoulder. And then all of a sudden, they're throwing footballs. Lord, I speak to this rotator cuff and the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons and the nerves. Is that all of it? And the bone, the actual joint. I speak to you now in Jesus' name, and I tell you to line up and conform to the Word of God that says, by His stripes... Ye were healed. I speak healing into you, restoration, newness. I call everything repaired, reattached, strong in Jesus' name. Be healed, Miss Denise. Be made whole now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now do what could you do? Could you go could you lift up to here? Tell me what's different. Is anything different? Yeah, I can lift. And you couldn't before? No. Nope. <laughs> oh, well, okay. All right. All right, Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you, rotator cuffs are bad business. That and your back are two things that you got to get fixed. Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to do some more things about miracles. You want to know what next week's sermon is? Is get your little little yellow book out. But we'll have different stories. I was going to read you this story. It's in here, but y'all can go home and read it about uh, about the guy that went out uh, went out into the woods or went out in the field. And there's a tree, and the Lord said, "Start preaching." Remember? And the, and and, and some, somebody was up in the tree. They'd come out there to commit suicide and got born again. And, uh, and but you know, going out in the field and preaching was a little strange. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We're going to do it God's way. Amen. Well, I bless you. Be blessed, be full, be a 
Be a proclaimer of the good news. Tell your story of what Jesus has done. And many will be swept into the kingdom because of your fullness in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.